Hey everybody, it's me. It's it's Sammy Dewey Blankenstein. I want to tell you, I, I got a new job on the on the Run Your Mouth podcast. To tell everyone, I'm still a really nice boy. I know I got in trouble, but I'm I'm gonna help you guys with stock picks and with a voice like this, you you know I really know my stuff. Yeah, do I look and sound like the wedding singer, or or maybe like a gay or Mike Tyson? Of course, but that's how you know people know the crypto is when when they talk like a little baby, and then you know you can trust them with all of your money. So. I just want to say I'm really sorry with what happened with the FTX. It's just that we didn't get we 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 weren't too big to fail. We were trying to get there. We weren't there yet. We you know we 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 were trying to get tied in with the Fed and we we asked them for all the regulation because because you know if if you get to the size where they regulate you then then you then you get more of the free money and 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 I know we we fucked up. There's some big people and they're after me. And that's why I'm now I'm hiding out at the run your mouth thing because no one knows what this is. It's just a discreet living room in a in a in a random building. So I, I feel I feel safe here because you know there's there's billions in assets and they went missing and we, we didn't spend it all on Adderall. And you you guys saw I was having sex with really ugly women, so it's not like I was wasting the money on on women. You saw you saw the the, the women that I was having sex with. They were very disgusting because I was being frugal with everyone's money because it came from the CIA. The CIA gave me the funding, and I so I didn't want to blow all the money right at once. That would that would be bad because because and they don't even want to know who who all the creditors are because because there's, there's people there's bad people's money's on that list, and so I, I'm sorry that we 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 were almost big. We almost got too big to fail. We were so close to being like a BlackRock. You guys saw what happened with their pension funds. They got they got bailed right out. So you know, but I'm here. I'm here with your. I'm 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 here with your you with the with your crypto picks. All right. There you go. That's enough of that. Uh, try getting getting the green screen working. Uh, anyways, everyone, welcome back. Run your mouth podcast. Jewy Blankenstein. We're gonna be breaking down more of that shit. I got a crazy ass week coming at you. Uh, tomorrow for uh, Thanksgiving. Tomorrow's not Thanksgiving. That's like hopping ahead of day. On Thursday, we're gonna have Guy Swan. Guy Swan on the show who has not been on since uh, he recently had a baby. He's actually the first dude to do it. He didn't even have a wife. He's the first male to squeeze a uh, um, uh, a baby out of his uh, penis hole because that's what he did with his Bitcoins. He saw the problems coming and he realized I better spend all of my money while I still have Bitcoins on being able to push uh, a baby out of my penis hole. And uh, honestly, he's going to make a lot of money with the transgender community now that he's the first person to uh, birth as a man. That's going to be quite lucrative. So, no, we're going to have him on to actually break down everything that's going on with this Charles Schwab, with these foreign governments preaching one world government, trying to get ESG scores, trying to get digital currencies, trying to tie all of our activities to global warming and talk about not being safe for YouTube. Guys, the YouTube channels are coming down. Uh, hopefully this one will stay alive for a little bit longer because uh, but once we're at two strikes on this one, I think uh, that, that that you know, so just uh, you got to follow me on all platforms. What can I tell you? Come come over to YouTube. I even think the the live video that I did in uh, in New Orleans. I don't even know if that's up on the YouTube channel, even though I tried putting it up on the YouTube channel. Anyways, guys, welcome back to the show. We got Guy Swan on on Thursday uh, and he's going to give us the uh, World Economic Forum breakdown. And then later on this episode we're gonna have pavel trades the man who uh, convinced me that DeFi was a good idea and so now you know we're gonna ream him out we're, we're gonna we're gonna spin in his asshole and give him a hard time for to, for preaching the DeFi to the good people of the run your mouth podcast no this guy's on top of his shit and so we're gonna get into jewey blankenstein and what went wrong because i uh, as i investigate more and more into this 
I, I really think that this kid was CIA, hey, fed, and they blew it up too early. Were they trying to take the thing down on purpose that they could preach regulation and then start the uh, the digital back currencies, perhaps? Or was this going to be the gateway into the Fed taking over crypto markets? We'll get into that later in the show. But first up, you know, I just came back from New Orleans. We got some nonsense topics. Let's get into some nonsense. Uh, how's the audio, everybody? Audio doing all right over here? Um, okay, here we go. First is... In your opinion, what's a Uber call etiquette? You know, like old school, you got into a cab and you could expect that that guy was uh, running seven different businesses from the front seat. You could expect that he had people that he had to yell at. He'd be going from the walkie-talkie, finding about other people to pick up. He'd be in his headphone yelling at people. You could kind of expect he stepped into a cab. That guy was going to be yelling. I've had on occasion where I've gone into an Uber and the guy's sitting up front and I've asked his permission and said, I'm sorry, I think I have this important work call or this person just called me. Do you mind if I call them? But I find more and more I get into the Uber and that guy, he's just fucking talking. He's just he's not even having conversations you want to listen to. He's just giving a call to someone so that he can yell at them. He could talk to his wife, scream at his kids, make sure that uh, that dinner leftovers will be reheated at proper temperatures. I mean, some of these guys, the conversations that they're having, it's like OCD talk, which I almost respect. Almost like, hey, if you're going to be that finicky over something, I'll, I'll hear you out on here. But what do you guys think? Who, who, who has the right of way to making calls in an Uber? Should it be a truce between you and the Uber driver where neither one gets to make calls? Hey, we're both going to have to be in this thing together. So I don't want to listen to you. You don't want to have to listen to me. Or is it that guy's car? So it's like the way that he gets to pick the radio channel. He gets to pick the conversation that's being had. Or is it that since I have rented this vehicle for the time that we're going from here to there, I should be allowed to just make calls. But I even think that should be assumed, 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 assumed. Anyways, New Orleans Review. What a fun fucking town. New Orleans is a fun town. ADD friendly. I don't know if I would have liked it if uh, I had been with uh, other people because I was just like listening to like three. I was listening to bands in like storefronts the way I channel surf on the radio where I'd be like, okay, good song. Wow, this is uh, like ADD. Like, oh my God, I can dance this. Hey, you know what? I'm done with this. Then I walk over here and then you get like a homeless jug band. You'll be like, I love homeless jug bands. How come you don't see more homeless jug bands on tour? I don't even see jug bands that often. I love a jug band. I'm listening to the jug band and then you hear bluesgrass over there. So you're like, all right, I'm going to go hear the bluegrass. And then you're listening to bluegrass. You're like, I love bluegrass. Then I'm like, I hate bluegrass. And I'm like, this guy's playing the blues. So I'm, I'm, I'm drinking. I'm listening to the blues. Then I walk over there. So I had a lot of fun with the ADD of just being like music, 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 change the channel, change. It. it was like being a human walking radio station, except sometimes there's a little bit too much of the commercial covers and that can get a little bit annoying. But for the most part, I really got to catch some uh, some very cool bands, including I got to see Lettuce at Tippy Tina's, which was a good time. So of all the cities that I've traveled to, a bunch of them have been really fun. Usually I don't like the city. Usually I kind of like being in nature outside of the city, but I give New Orleans the thumbs up as being a good time. Um, bring back hand and tan sanitizer. That's an important one. I get it. COVID's over. That doesn't mean we got to be dumb being germaphobes. I'm still on a plane. You still got a disgusting bathroom. I mean, how hard of you, you guys literally installed having containers for hand sanitizer outside of the bathroom. Can't we just get those back up? I mean, I get the COVID's over and it was never that big of a deal, but we're not trying to get YouTube channels taken down, but can we just stick with the hand sanitizer? The hand sanitizer was good. There were two good things that kind of came out of COVID. One, we got rid of old people. And two, we got hand sanitizer. 
And some of your annoying friends, they stayed home and, you know, now they're, they, you don't have to see them as often. And it's kind of okay to be more of an introvert and tell people that you want to go places. People get it. And you get to drink at home more too. That became a lot more acceptable to just be like, yeah, I'm just going to spend a year at my house drinking at home. I kind of get used to that. And people are like, all right, I get it. But all of those things in hand sanitizers were the improvements that came out of COVID. So let's bring back the hand sanitizer. And I'm going to put airport airplane bathrooms on blast that they've got the worst fucking thing for like, they got non-functioning garbage. I don't understand this. So I'm going to wash my hands with your disgusting, barely working sink with your bad soap where I got to hold the faucet for too long. Then I'm going to dry off my hands. Then I'm going to go to open up the door so that I can leave the bathroom with the, with the paper towel. Cause yes, I'm a fucking nerdy germaphobe, whatever. And then I'm going to go to throw out the paper towel and then throwing out the paper towel and trying to push it into your dumb slot. That doesn't work. That doesn't open. That keeps the things out. That's pushing the other paper towels on the floor. I'm going to touch everyone else's dirty paper towel and your dirty fucking outside bin thing. And then it starts falling out. So I got to really start pushing it in there. And now my hand's filthy because I've touched everyone else's disgusting germaphobe of, because people are using those paper towels, then they're, they're, they're drying off the basin, right? They're drying off the toilet seat. Maybe they pissed on the floor, got embarrassed about peeing on the floor and then wiped out the piss that was on the floor and then shoved it into this thing. Now I've done nothing but touch some guy's piss. And there's some guy standing right there and he wants to get into the bathroom. So now I'm stuck in a situation where I got to go back to my seat with the hand that was cleaner, probably if I just pissed on it. If I just went into the bathroom, lifted up the lid, decided to press the inside of the thing and flush that stupid flusher into the gravity thing and pee on my own hand, it would probably be cleaner than putting it into the basin. But they just pretend like it's a working system. I mean, how hard would it be to put a garbage outside of the bathroom? You could take the paper towel and throw it into that thing. Here's what I'm going to start doing. I'm going to start filling up the back of my seat with those paper towels, and then maybe someone will get a message. Maybe one of these stewardesses who rides the plane all the time, every time they're on a plane, they know that there's an issue with this paper towel system because at some point, paper towels stop going into the thing. They start going all over the floor. Just put the garbage outside the thing or at least bring the hand sanitizer back. Woo! What else we got on this list? Crystal rock. This is shitty water. I don't like any volcanic water. It it tastes like dirt. I, I like water that just tastes like pure water. And I could blind taste test water. Aquafina sucks. Dasani sucks. Poland Springs pretty great, but your Crystal Rock and Fiji water might be the worst tasting waters. And this is what the advantage to you guys who tune into this podcast every once in a while is that I explore the universe and I try all these things. And so I kind of can let you know. All right. What else I got on my list? Uh, uh, Hotel checklist. All right, dude, it's hard finding a decent hotel. You get these inflations. They they try and tell you that they got services that they don't have. And I'm, I'm on to these people because now I'm becoming a world traveler. There was a time where I was a comedian. Now, you know what I am? I'm a whiny Jew blogger of travel. I'm a travel channel Jewy Weiner blog show. That's going to be my next venture. Rob complains about random destinations and warns you about all the annoying, shitty things that you're going to experience at the town that you visit. Because I don't know if you guys actually like travel and vacation, but I find that most of the experience for me is walking around downtown areas, trying to find the things that I like about my home. That's most of what I do when I'm in a downtown area. But anyways, here's some of the fucking scams at hotels, because I'm going to start calling them up like this hotel. I'll be honest. And this is this is very like the Louis C.K. bit about Wi-Fi on planes. I get it. I'm complaining about nonsense. I understand. I'm going into this 
fully admitting to you guys that it's very lucky that I'm able to do these shows, travel a little bit, and then be a whiny cunt about it. But since it's my podcast and no one else is here, I will take the opportunity to be a whiny cunt and let you guys know about the bad situations that you might run into these hotels so that maybe you can start calling front desks together. Maybe what we can do is divide and conquer. When I'm going into a city, we can open up a call center where we all call up the hotels and we ask all these logistical questions so that you can get out of the way beforehand. Because I don't want to be showing up to these hotels anymore and finding out after the fact all this bullshit. Let's get out of the I almost wish I could just call up businesses before and be like, hey, listen, before I purchase a product, is there any bullshit I got to know about? Hey, before I order your fried chicken, is this at least quick fried chicken or is it going to be like 25 minutes? I'm going to have to finally walk over and have an awkward conversation with you because you were just standing there with my order on the counter. Like, just let me know up front. Be, be, can you just tell me before I give you my credit card and all my money? Is it going to be some bullshit here? Just let me, is there, what, what kind of bullshit am I going to deal with? All right. So here's, here's the checklist. Hey, did, did you putting butters up in your eggs? I don't want to be roaming around downtown areas anymore just looking for some fucking eggs that don't have cheese and butter in it. So just let me know up front. Well, what are you guys putting out at this breakfast? Is breakfast actually free? What are we looking at here? We're looking at dry cereal. You putting out any fruit? You got bacon? What are we working with here? I want pictures. I want proof of this breakfast up front. I want to know that I'm not going to be charged, that it's actually included in my room, and what, what kind of butter you're putting up in these eggs. Next thing I want to know, the room that you're giving me. Is it right next to the elevators? I got to listen to these elevators go up and down all night. I'm trying to get work done in this room. I don't want to be listening to humming elevators. And then it gets really weird if you're in a hotel for too many days and then you get used to like the weird sound of like humming elevators. And all of a sudden you go to other places and you're like, dude, I need some fucking humming elevators. Why is it so, uh, why is everything so, so smooth here? Uh, is your pool actually open or you just got pictures of a pool or you got some little kitty pool? You can't even do nothing in this pool other than pee in it. I swear the, the hotel I was just at. Yeah, nice bikes, pictures of the rooftop hotel pool. There was nothing that could be done in that pool other than pissing it. That was the only thing you could possibly do in this pool. I, I almost nearly took the opportunity to get into the pool and pee in the pool. Just be like, hey, there was nothing else that you could do in this pool. I mean, I, I guess if you wanted to get your legs wet and not swim and stand in a pool with your legs wet, I guess while having a beer on a rooftop. That's the problem with these rooftop pools is they've all become too fancy. Pools used to be for swimming in them. Now they're for standing around having a beer and showing off that you don't have a nice body in. That, that's what pools have become, which is supposed to be the hot tub. If you're going to just stand around and drink, that's what you get a hot tub for. That's not what the pool is for. The pool is supposed to be for fat kids doing cannonballs and swimming. It's not supposed to be such a novel concept of having pools that you can actually swim in. Or don't, or don't, 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 don't tell me about your pool. Don't be preaching about your pool if I can't be swimming in your pool. You got something else. You got, you got a big cold bathtub on your roof. That's what you got. You want me to shower in this thing? Should I be bringing soap and shampoo up here? and praying for paying for parking. That was the other thing. All right, we're, we're done with the random news topics. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Carrie Lake, she's out there. She's talking about these allegations that in Arizona, there's fucking voter fraud. That's what she's saying. Broken machines, putting things into fax machines. Nobody's counting nothing. Giuliani's out here. He's checking machines too. Uh, you got people, they voted for their entire lifetimes. They're putting things into slots. Firstly, Republicans, why don't you just mail in your votes too? Why are you guys waiting on lines so that you can complain afterwards? It's almost like you want to show up and actually vote so you can pretend like your vote was more important than the old person and an old age home that someone just filled out a ballot for. Guess what? They're all, all, all the votes are ending up in the mail. Maybe they're being counted. Maybe they're not being counted. So, like, why show up and whine about the fact that other people got to stay at home and then their vote counted and your vote didn't count? Just, so just send it in the mail anyways. 
If you're already showing up to a place, waiting in a line, you're not sure what they're going to do with it. Just, just fucking mail it and be done. And then you can save yourself the afternoon so you don't have to have the righteous indignation of, oh, I actually showed here and my vote should count. And I'm done with uh, these unproven allegations. It's just annoying. Like if I were to walk into City Hall today and I go, I know this mayor's a fucking crook. And they go, well, what's the proof? And you're like, I don't know, but let's just keep talking about it for the next six months. What does that do for anybody? You got to have the proof first. Otherwise, what's the point of even making the allegation? It's like anything. If you went to your boss and said, hey, someone else at the company's stealing. You got any proof? Well, no. All right, well, then there's nothing I can really do about it. Why do you think so? Well, uh, just because. So I'm going to keep saying it. And now I'm not saying that in Arizona, shit doesn't look fucking shady. It looks fucking shady. We watch footage of people waiting on lines. I watched footage in the last election. I've already talked about it. People getting tricked out of rooms for pizza pies. Yeah, there's fucking shady shit, but like, I don't know. I feel like so much of the news cycle is Donald Trump stole the nuclear documents. And then it's like a week of that. And then there's no nuclear documents. Donald Trump's a fucking Russian acid. You hear about that for two years. And then there turns out to be no proof of that. How about proof and then allegations? Like, isn't that the way the, the like the police system works too? Hey, we're going to bring charges against this guy. Well, you got any proof? Well, then you can only hold him for 24 hours. Maybe that should be the way it works. News cycles, you don't get to say, hey, there might be an allegation down the line. There might be proof for the fact of a crime. They're looking into this because there might be an issue. How about the proof first and then the news story? Or if you don't have any proof within 24 hours, we take it out of the fucking news. All right, what do we got going on in the comments? Forest mommy. P is supposedly sterile, isn't it? Mine is. I use it to clean my dishes, so I hope so. St. Michael, is it bad, but it contains enough urea to kill foot fungus? So that's why you should always pee in the shower. That sounds like even faker news uh, than, you know, me peeing on my dishes. Uh, Moderately amused. Any reaction to Elon saying Robbie's hero, Alex Jones, won't be back on Twitter? Not my hero. Did defend him when it came to the whole uh, 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 school thing. Think I might have actually gotten that story wrong. Have mixed feelings. Don't want to get into it now. We did an episode on part of the problem. Talked extensively about that. That will be out tomorrow. And uh, I did a lot of podcasting today, including later tonight. We're doing uh, some come party. Uh, Forest Mommy's going to be there. Brian's going to be there. Clint's going to be there. Clearly, he doesn't have working sperm, but you know he can he, he can learn about what sperm is for me and Brian, because usually the only sperm that Clint ever experiences in his life are the ones that people deposit in his asshole. But we're going to get into that on the show. You can hear about how gay Clint is later. Moderately amused because mail in is technology and Republicans don't like change. All right, let's get into some other news topics. And then we've got the pop up Panda crypto tips because everyone, you know, now's the time to get in. If you didn't already get into crypto and you've been standing around looking for your opportunity, I'll bring back the Bankenstein Jewface character to let you know that you don't want to be up at top. That's the mistake that everyone else looked at. They were looking at this market and they were getting all excited at peaks. But now that this thing has nearly crashed to bottom, the point is this is your buy opportunity to be getting into DeFi. So later in the show, you know, we're going to be breaking down uh, the, the, the new run your mouth coin and why that's going to be the one coin that interacts with this one other coin. And as long as it's interacting with that coin and it's in this magical box and more people will come into the box, then you might actually be able to make yield on it. And we're not going to actually sell anything other than that we forecast that most more people will be listening to the show. And as there's more intro interest in the crypto space in general, and as uh, 
you know, the larger technology companies start to get involved and realize that crypto is the wave of the future because everything that we've ever used by way of payment processes in the past, it didn't work. I know sometimes I would walk into a store, I'd want to buy a pack of gum and I'd hand them a piece of plastic and then they would hand me the gum and then, you know, everyone would get their money and it all worked. But don't be fooled. The financial systems of money being transacted has never worked before. And so, you know, now's the time to be getting involved. And we're going to be telling you about these coins that you can invest in later. And we're going to be bringing back that Bankenstein character. Because obviously, you know, with a lisp like that, you know, that guy's got a handle on math, sciences and presenting well. All right. Anyways, uh, here's Biden. Uh, he's getting ready to interview uh, who he thinks is another world leader. Turns out it was a turkey, but that's kind of just the way he sees everything in his head. I, I joked on Twitter, he's walking up to the turkey like he's uh, hosting The Price is Right, where he goes, all right, what's uh, what do you think the price of that gravy is, huh? That's ah, pretty good turkey. And then here, let's actually uh, watch. I got some footage, and I came prepared for it not loading in. Here we go. Footage of uh, Biden just having a little chat with the turkey. You know, this is what he does indoors. When we don't see him and he's not taking naps, he, he, he's having conversations with inanimate objects and different pets that he has. And so this is actually something that he's more adjusted for. When it comes to having like conversations and explaining to us the ideas of, you know, how, why it's important for him to drive up oil prices in order to make windmills more effective, maybe he doesn't sell that that well. But when it comes to having conversations with inanimate objects, pets, animals, and uh, those are, that's when Biden is smooth and at his best. Uh, so this is an opportunity for Biden to shine. Let's see what he has to say while talking to this turkey. And you guys can let me know if the, uh, if the sound is working. How many turkeys have you got down there? I'm good. God love you. Nine and a half million turkeys. I'll tell you what. It's like some of the countries I've been to. <laughs> anyway. Nine and a half billion. So I'm in the countries with nine and a half billion turkeys. Is that a racist joke or just doesn't make any sense in any capacity? You know who would have laughed at that? Kamala Harris. I bet if Kamala Harris, I bet that's why he hired Kamala Harris is because she just fucking laughs anytime she says, the buses, ha, doors, ha. And so maybe that's why uh, he keeps around is uh, he, when he was practicing this one backstage about turkeys and that there's nine billion turkeys and that he's been to countries with nine billion turkeys. <laughs> turkey had nothing, nothing for him. He was like, all right, listen, I'm coming off like an idiot. Maybe this turkey can bail me out of this one. All right, what else we got? What else we got? We got all sorts of news. And don't worry, Papa Panda, I'm going to gonna get to you in a second. All right, just days after announcing presidential candidacy, Trump helms real estate deal with Saudi company. And just when we were saying, hey, Trump's out of this thing, uh, this one's interesting because I always like, what are the deals on the back end to getting these people paid? So we know that there's these speeches. They show up. They give speeches to the people they were regulating. Hey, here's $400,000 for giving a quick little, little speech. I mean, book deals. There's no way anyone's buying any one of these fucking books. Penguin Random House, McGraw-Hill, million-dollar checks for Fauci for, hey, here's how everything I did during the pandemic worked great. That should actually be the title of his book. Here's how everything I did during the pandemic worked really, really good. That make that the title of his novel. Hey, uh, here's all the, or maybe like a Dr. Seuss, all the lives I saved. Anyways, so they leave and uh, there's got to be some way of washing the money. 
Uh, so, you know, Al Gore, he got the uh, network that I think he then sold to Al Jazeera. Uh, Obama, he's got that Netflix hookup. Uh, they all get some sort of a payout in some sort of a capacity. I mean, you saw how much money the Saudi Arabians were playing, paying Hillary Clinton until she ended up out of the game. And so this looks like this is Trump's big old payment from Saudi Arabia. It looks like maybe Saudi Arabia is so pissed at Biden because uh, he criticized them on the Yemen thing. So they're jacking up oil prices on the guy and they don't like the whole ESG scores, which is obviously going to ruin their product because they're in the oil business. So I, I guess it's worth it to them to spend four billion dollars just so that they could put up a little Trump title on one of the because, you know, Trump's distinguished and we all know how well he manages his businesses. And if we spend four billion dollars to license his name, people are going to travel all the way over the world just to be in the Trump hotel and we're going to make back our money. I'm calling bullshit. Talk about getting your bribes in while you can throw a big old Trump title right on the building. Four billion dollars. That's called. One hell of a bribe. What else we got? Alabama pauses executions after third failed lethal injection. And I mean, how hard is it to kill somebody? You're telling me you can't just effectively pull the plug on somebody? I mean, just get, get to fucking get some fentanyl for the guy. That's even seems like a pleasant way to go. People are doing it themselves. People manage to kill themselves on a daily basis. And you're telling me for whatever amount of money is actually being spent to kill a guy, you can't figure out how to kill the guy. I bet the guy's even into fentanyl. I bet if you can't find veins for the guy to, to, to be able to put him down, it's probably because he likes fentanyl. Just leave him in a room with some fentanyl. The guy will do it for himself. I mean, this is how fucking inept government is. They can't even figure out how to put people down. Most of us spend most of our time trying not to die. Try not to walk off of bridges. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. No, no one here ever has that problem. That was a bad example. I was getting heated and in the moment and just saying some nonsense. And that was even bigger nonsense than most of the nonsense I'm, I usually say. So I'm going to apologize to you guys for going a little bit too far with the nonsense there. But you get the concept. You get the concept. It shouldn't be that hard to put someone down. I mean, you, you bring back hanging. You could shoot people. You can make a spectacle out of it and, you know, feed it to lions like gladiator style. I don't know how bad of a crime that these people committed. But three botched murder attempts. They're shutting it down. Talking about government ineptitude. New York farmers have nowhere to sell $750 million worth of cannabis. Uh, this one might resolve itself because they're finally giving licenses to business in New York. But the problem is they went, hey, weed's going to be legal. And so people go, all right, if weed's going to be legal, I can make myself some money. And so they go out and they farm and they start planning all the products. And then government comes along and goes, eh, well, you got nowhere to sell the product. And they're like, shit, now I'm just stuck with this thing. And that points to the bigger issue, which is that people are not predicting markets. People are not looking at the markets and wondering, like, what can I get to customers? What's the interest rate? It's all fucking distorted singles because you're trying to do things and the government's fucking it up. It's like it's already hard enough to figure out what are something that somebody might want. What's the price at which I can produce it for? Can I actually get it to my customers better than the competition? And is there an opportunity for me to have profit because I'm actually going to show up every day and I'm going to be disciplined enough to make sure that everything gets done and my workers get everything done? That's what I always found uh, amusing about uh, the like the Gordon Ramsay shows. There were times where I was procrastinating at my job, went on the YouTube wormhole of watching Gordon Ramsay yell at business owners. And I was always amused because I'd be watching him yell at these business owners. I'd be like, yeah. That's what happens if someone like me runs a business. They don't give a shit. They're just not really showing up. They're getting nervous. They're jerking off in the empty hotel rooms. They're drinking in the afternoon. That's what we stressed out people do. They're eating donuts. You're like, all right, I get why the guy's eating donuts. I don't understand why he decided to run a business. That clearly wasn't a good idea. That clearly wasn't the guy's skill set. 
the point I'm trying to make is it's really hard to actually be a good manager, actually want to be achieve shit in life, show up every day, get it done, make predictions about the things that people want in the market. Like, think about it. We all could look at this and go, hey, people are obviously going to want more weed and it's going to be sold legally in stores. But like the idea of purchasing the farm, planting the weed, figuring out how to do it all, that fucking sucks. And then it's like, even if you figure out all that shit, then the government turns around and like, yeah, we know we told you guys that you could do it, but now you can't do it. And eh, maybe down the line you can. Oh, is the one preferred player ready to go? And do we make sure that everyone else's uh, pot rotted in a fucking factory? All right. Well, then I guess that settles it. We can finally open up for business. Um, Kylie Irving, I did a whole episode because, uh, you know, I was yelling, hey, man, support this guy. So what? He tweeted out a fucking video. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? And like they always say, hey, your comedy, it's going to not my comedy, but they say like the jokes, it's going to lead to violence. People are going to hear these jokes and then they're going to get all stirred up. And then the next thing you know, terrible things are going to happen to people. And you're like, when does this ever happen? You got any proof of this one? Uh, well, this one's kind of creepy. I don't think it's helping uh, Mr. Irving's case because he was like, dude, I just tweeted out a video. Uh, but then, you know, the masses came to support him. Uh, so, you know, let's give this a quick watch. So a little literal army of people dressed in purple yelling, we're the real Jews. Were these guys like promised money or something? They think like you, you you declare yourself Jewish and then God comes to you in a dream and he goes, hey, here's a here's a here's a scam for FTX so that you can, you know, engage in white collar crime. I mean, send these guys to the yeshivas I went to and see how badly they want to be the real Jews. Well, like what, 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 what I don't even understand, like what the starting point on this was that people uh, are being told, hey, you know, you're really missing out on a really wonderful life experience. And those Jews over there, they're pretending to be the Jews, but you know, you could really be doing their thing. I don't, I just don't get it. I don't get where the starting point on this was. I don't get who's selling something to these people. I don't get what they think they're missing out on. They think like you get Jew status and then someone actually shows up with the weather machine and pots of gold. I mean, that sounds like they got that. That's like some leprechaun shit right there. Rainbows and pots of gold. Like, what do you, or like, what do they, so what are they going to, they're going to show up in the streets. They're going to march loud enough. And then the Jews are going to be listening and be like, Oh wait, those guys are the real Jews? You mean I don't have to go to synagogue? All right, have fun. You guys can go pray in there. See how it goes for you. I'd love to see what these meetings look like. I've been joking. I want to get out there and I want to protest that I'm the real black Israelite, that they think they're the black Israelites. I'm the black Israelites. Look, there's this quote in the Bible and then I'll make up quotes and stuff, but I'll have to work on that bit. Might actually get have to be written out. I got to watch that uh, video that uh, Mr. Irving uh, posted. Maybe I'd even like to do a hate watch on it so I can be better informed as to what exactly these people uh, are, are think we're, we're taking from them. It's like the, it's like a biblical thing. It's like, you know, that that story of uh, Jacob and Asav and there was the birthright and Jacob used his Jew tricks to steal it from his brother Asav. And uh, yeah, it's, it's right there in the Bible. You know, he, he he sold him some lentil soup while he was really, really hungry. And then later on, he showed up and his dad was all blind. And so he put the hair on himself and he pretended like he was his brother and he stole the birthright. But that guy was red. And so I don't know. And how'd the birthright thing work out for them? I don't know. It just seems like I, I don't really understand the whole thing. 
All right, I think I have one more video, and then uh, we'll get into the FTX. Oh, here's our boy. Our boy's on the way out, and uh, you got to admire a salesman who just sticks to their story. And so if he could have one final message to the American people before he leaves his post. This is, I believe, retirement, making his final announcement. And uh, let's hear what Fauci has to say on the way out. So my message and my final message, maybe the final message I give you from this podium, is that please, for your own safety, for that of your family, get your updated COVID-19 shot as soon as you're eligible to protect yourself, your family, and your community. You got to respect the guy. Stick into his story. All right. That's all we got for the first segment. Now, let's get into FTX. Because the more I read about this, the more I see the CIA recruiting the face of who they think can usher in a new generation, an era of finance, of digital tokens, and run the entire scam of fractional reserve banking all over again. But this time with everything being tracked. And, uh, you know, less banks uh, and, you know, little whiny, lispy Jewish kids that they get to pretend are absolute geniuses uh, doing only out there to do good for the world. So I welcome back to the show. New name, Papa Panda Crypto, Mr. Pavel Trades. First, before we get into it, are you still standing by DeFi or are you walking away from this whole sector saying it's one big fucking scam? I still stand by DeFi because this was not a failure of DeFi. This was a failure of what we call CeFi, which is centralized finance. And that's basically a bastardization of everything that crypto and DeFi stand for, stands for. So right. let me ask you this. Yeah. Because uh, as a guy who just lost a whole uh, fuck ton of money on these DeFi's, we'll get in. We'll get into where I got suckered because I got suck. I got suckered real good. You know, I, I stopped investing after the last financial uh, crisis because I was in high school. I worked these jobs and like the nice Jewish kid that I was, I didn't spend none of that money. I put it all into investments. I thought I'm going to be financially savvy. I'm not going to go to Europe. I'm going to stay home and jerk off and gain interest. That's what I thought I was going to do. And <laughs> when General Motors went up, bam, there was one one full summer, like 3500 bucks down the fucking toilet. And I must have stayed out of the market for uh, over a decade until someone sent me the Bitcoin standard. And I was like, you know what? This Bitcoin thing seems interesting. Alternative currency. I'll put some of my cash in there. And then I saw that shit go all the way up to 50. And I'm like, all right, I'm playing with house money. Look at me. What could go wrong here? I'm already up 40 or no, I was up. I, whatever the fuck I was up like 40. I, I got, I got house money. I can start putting bets on the table. Look at this. And now everything's wiped out. So let's go into the DeFi stuff first. Cause I still stand by Bitcoin. I, I like it. Makes a lot of sense to me. We don't have to preach the choir. Everyone here gets it. The DeFi space, everything's self-referencing. I want to know a product that actually does something. Like I get the pitch that you can have insurance contracts without having to deal with the title company. We can show proof of ownership or intellectual things without lawyers, without a million transactions, insurance contracts. I understand theoretically the utility of digitalized contracts, but Everything I've seen and heard of in the DeFi space, which I've got suckered into, is self-referencing some other protocol that's going to do something that's going to make the coin of value, and no one's actually doing anything that's like a product or service or would actually make money. It's all NFTs. It's, hey, it's fucking digital art, and someone else might want to buy this for more than what you paid for it. Right. Well, I, a lot of 
what what happened with DeFi this past cycle is that it kind of found its footing in late mid to late 2020 uh, in what we call DeFi summer. That was when everybody realized that you could launch a decentralized exchange relatively easily. And so that led to a lot of beautiful things uh, like coming to the forefront of the industry, most no notably protocols like Aave, which is the leading decentralized lender in DeFi. Which oh, I got some in, of that still. Yeah, and in the wake of all of this, Aave is totally solvent because... Solvent, you know, but how much money did I lose in it? Where's uh, my water, by the way? I'm not looking for my money. I'm looking for my water <laughs> bottle. I had a water bottle. You're good. <laughs> no, but the, the protocol itself yeah. is still solvent, unlike these other centralized uh, lenders like Genesis is currently going through, which we'll get into in a little bit. But, you know, like these various protocols, eventually what happened was it we fell into the same pitfalls that every market industry seems to fall into that is affected by centralized fiat currency is that we got greedy and we started chasing insane yields because not only, you know, do we have all these stable coins uh, that were backed by just dollars uh, being flooded into the market, like by these, like all these VCs are just throwing this money and chasing insane yield and people stop caring about um, actual fundamentals driving these coins like what, what what was the real value being generated here and people were literally just chasing whatever the highest apy available to them was so yeah that's true of bitcoin yeah. also um which was i would have thought that bitcoin would have ap operated kind of counter cyclical or as a tool against inflation but what we discovered was when everyone was making money and things were good and there was all this like cash flooding into the system people were just dumping it I mean, pumping up the Bitcoins and like actually Bitcoin was more of a risk asset where since people had more money, you know, they just kind of got capped into it. And I'm not saying yeah. Bitcoin might not become the currency of the world. And I'm not saying it doesn't have long term utility, but I am saying that if you were buying it last year at $50,000 a coin, $60,000 a coin, that had nothing to do with the fact that Bitcoin was being widely used as much as that there was a lot of money in the system. And people were kind of game for risky assets because it's like they couldn't lose. Right. And a lot of that money, and what it really boils down to, and like what I was kind of getting at previously, like with these, the fact these protocols are still solvent and these off chain traditional, like centralized financial institutions aren't currently, is that all this activity was happening. It was not, excuse me, it was, it was happening off chain on paper contracts between institutions that pretend and act like, oh, we are representatives of this de decentralized technology and, oh, we're all decentralized, when really they act like traditional banks and lenders and, you know, market makers, as we've seen uh, happen, like everything happened with FTX, right. I get it. and entire, then Genesis. Yeah. The entire point of decentralization is supposed to be that there is no, like, single exchange or banker or people that can control the protocol or lie about values. So when you have people that are uh, being an institution and just operating like a bank, so you're just dealing with a less secure bank. Right. Yeah, exactly. And if, for example, if all of this had been operating on chain, if people had, one, been self-custodying their own assets to begin with, with hardware wallets, or at least with a hot wallet on their own, you know, like, like on their own, like, secure device, they wouldn't have to worry about you FTX. I yeah. got to be honest, that's the wet dream of crypto, though, because I'm into Bitcoin. I do not want to deal with a cold wallet. 
And I get that every single person like yourself that's into the crypto, it, that infuriates them. That makes them so mad. We're like, you're a fucking idiot. How come you don't want it? It's because I don't. I just don't want to. De- like, I got so much shit I got to deal with. And maybe this like other things where you just get started. You're like, this isn't that big of a deal. But like, I lose shit. I lose shit all the time. Memorizing things. You know how often I forget a fucking password? Like, you know, uh, the utility of the fact that I can show up to Chase Bank and they've got my money and there's not going to be a run on it. I don't think so. And if there is, the Fed will back it. Like, you, you get me, You, you. if I can show up to places and easily spend my Bitcoin, that's pretty great. Or if I can trust a place like Coinbase, and I don't really, like, there's not a lot of activity that's required on my end, that's pretty great. You start telling me about, and I understand it. You go, it, well, it's your money. You work pretty hard for your fucking money. Don't you want it? Don't you have enough care to go buy a USB thing and shove it into your computer? And like, yes, I will admit to the fact that I'm dumb and lazy, but I'm saying if I'm dumb and lazy, your market cap of people that actually want like until there's actually a system failure that the Bitcoin is regularly accepted and better currency. I don't know that you see wide scale adoption. Right. You know, and that that's that is a fair point is that a lot of people like they don't want to jump over to using the hardware wallets, which and like to your point, what you were saying about like, oh, it's like a flash, like USB flash drive, essentially. And that's that's really as easy as it is. And people like they are like and you yourself included. I think it's over complicating the issue because it, it literally is plug in like and like the setup, you know, yeah, like it takes a few minutes and you have to sort of know what you're doing. You have to like maybe watch a video or talk to somebody that, that knows nope, what that I am is following instructions. Do you know, like, I, I don't know if you realize I built Ikea desk upside down before I, I I'll, I'll build something and find out some kid in China just got all my fucking money. Like, all right. Anyways, let, let's right. start. Let's start getting into some specifics here. Uh, and so let's start with FTX because uh, as I look at it, yes, I guess there's the possibility they got this fucking Weasley Jewish face, lispy kid, and everyone just wants to hand the money and that he comes up with this brilliant trade that because he can't get money out of Korea or whatever the fuck it is, he's able to arbitrage it. And so he's able to create his billions at first and then he's able to create his exchange and then he's able to take the money at the evaluation that he creates for his coin and put it on a balance sheet and then someone's going to lend him money. What a fucking scam that no one's going, oh, you got a billion dollars in assets? Oh, but it's all not currency or on sales. It's based off of your fucking dumb coin that you just say is worth that price because you sold it to yourself. But sure, we're really sophisticated investors and we're going to give you all this money. I, I, I'm i looking at this and I understand. Well, I, I have a general theme about media at the moment that I'm finding it very irritating that essentially... Mainstream media does not report the news because they got this feeling if we report actual facts and news, then Donald Trump will get elected. So we live in a new world where it's not about truth. It's about maintaining storylines to ensure that our narrative goes out. So you still get fucking fluff pieces from The New York Times and others about this fucking kid from FTX, which leaves you in a space where you got to do your own homework. And when you're left to do your own homework, you end up with sources like Twitter. And then the storylines that are most interesting, I... tie in with other themes that I see. So what, like, let's just talk about some of the bigger picture themes that I see here. I see a government that wants to uh, basically at some point, they're probably going to have to rebrand in order to consider the fractional reserve banking is one. Two is I do think that they want uh, a digital currency. Uh, three, I think that at some point they're probably going to want to tie that digital currency to things like a COVID passport or your carbon consumption. 
Uh, and that maybe they even want one world currency. Like I, I just kind of see a flow here of what they're looking for. And that I also understand that they don't want decentralized anything. The more centralized things are, the less uh, choke points there need to be in order for government to have control over it. Like if government's a parasite and the more distributed, like evenly distributed things are, the more decentralized things are, the more opportunities are for individuals to actually make money and there's less opportunity for the government to steal. I'll just say one example of this because it's such a simple and pure example. There used to be a time you got the news, what, from one channel, CBS late at night. So they got to pick one individual. Everyone watched that show. Everyone got those ad dollars. Now, people like me, I don't make nearly as much money as someone like Tucker Carlson, but I can do a news style show from my living room. There's other people that can do it. And we can all make a little slice of the pie and maybe earn more of the pie over time. That's not what people in power want. The people in power, they want one person who can do it because then they get to keep all the control. They get to keep all the money. So I see that the government, the powers that be would be interested in creating exchanges that they actually get a piece of the pie on, that they get the centralized control. I look at the FTX kid. I look at the shady story of how he got his money. I look at the fact that he's got investors like BlackRock. I look at the fact that there's other investors on the balance sheet that they don't even want to declare. And you know what I think, Mr. Uh, Papa Panda Crypto Pavel? That he's a Fed? I think this is fucking bullshit. That's what I think. <laughs> I, I think that, yeah, I, I, I think maybe even manufacturer person that they've cherry picked this kid to go be the face of what was going to be the thing. And that either someone pulled the plug a little bit too early before that they before they could get to the regulation stage, before they could get to the point where they were the preferred player and they had the backings so that they could uh, um, be the one person that it didn't matter if they self-destructed. Because like also, here's the other thing. And then I'll hand it back to you because I'm just fucking uh, uh, yelling at this point um, is that. You look at what, like, part of what they describe in the crypto space is leveraging of assets to then go purchase other assets and then taking that and going, well, I got the value of this coin and then borrowing it and putting it up as collateral so you can go buy the next thing. And that when one thing fails, all of this basic evaluation start coming out of the system because, like, everything's getting fire sold. That would happen way worse in traditional banking sectors if, like, what we just saw a couple weeks ago in uh, in England with uh, with those pension funds didn't happen is because when you end up with these little system failures and you end up in these situations where people are fire selling, the Fed and other players step in to basically sure up those liquidity problems so you don't end up with the signals of, hey, everything here has got a faulty evaluation and there isn't that much cash in the system. So the crypto world is almost interesting to me because it's not nearly as large as traditional finance, and it just showcases that these same problems exist. I'll hand it back to you. You've got more of the actual insight. Give us the evidence. Let's build the story first to say that you know this is the preferred player and that this whole fucking thing is government orchestrated. Right, right. And you've, you've gotten into this on uh, previous episodes, but yeah, basically like the whole story behind Sam or SBF as he's called is super sus. Like, there was supposedly some like he was exploiting trading uh, like prices in Japan, like basically being lower. So there was some arbitrage opportunities there that he took advantage of that were off chain. So it was over the counter and there was no actual record of it. So convenient story. His parents are both uh, Stanford professors uh, with ties to the SEC and other government regulatory agencies. And they've you know, there's this really weird like moral philosophy tied into it that they preach called effective altruism. Yeah. It's which like, is just fucking yeah. ESG score bullshit that there's no exactly. truth to that in any capacity. 
exactly. Yeah, and then it's just he and I, I'll I'll never forget when I first heard about this guy. Like everybody's like, who's just one day on crypto Twitter was singing his praises, and I was like, who the hell is this guy? Like, who who is this SPF character? And I got kind of like red, just a weird vibe from him to begin with. But as it's just as like all of this has come out, it's it's I never trusted the guy, but he had told asked me during all this insanity going on in a bear market is FTX, you know, or Binance can be having issues like this. I would have said, oh, probably at Binance. But ultimately, that's not what happened at all, because, you know, it was actually Binance that revealed the corruption at FTX because yeah, you know, but they, I, they revealed it. Yeah. Uh, well, firstly, they were taking down a competitor. Oh, yeah. Uh, but also, I mean, something must have happened behind the scenes. And I would be surprised if the if the uh, BTX guy doesn't end up in trouble. And I'll explain this to everybody. The BTX guy owned a fair amount of was the FTC the name of the currency? Because what was the name? FTT. of the FTT. So, yeah, was the name of the yeah. currency. And they owned a fair amount of it. Now, Bitcoin. Uh, I'm sorry. These crypto things are very, very similar to essentially owning equity in a company that, that that's kind of what it is is like it, yes. it, it, it it's in a way it's one and the same so they were dumping their equity essentially the coin that they had was kind of like a like a knit like a not public stock or i guess it's public stock but they're basically it's the same as like being give, given shares in a company they're they own they owned a fair amount of the other platform uh by way of the fact that they own their currency You know, we're talking the real shit, and then they start slowing down your internet. Um, right. Uh, okay. So they go. I'm I'm getting rid of this FTT thing. I don't know why you decided to make that decision. Usually, like if you even see the movie Boiler Room, uh, there's a scene in Boiler Room where he goes, "Sure, I'll get like I'll give him. I think it was the preferred stock, but he can't sell it before us. That always is the way it works. Is that they'll give you the fucking stock, but they're not letting you cash out first because they know if you dump, the thing's coming down." This guy decides that he's going to dump and then instantly the hedge fund goes, all right, well, we're going to purchase this. By the way, I'm getting all of this from a uh, Safadon Amos. That's no way that what, what, the guy wrote oh, the Bitcoin standard, but I wrote it. Yeah. He's the best. And I, I listened to his podcast on this, but it's just like, it's just old school financial scams just kind of dressed up. But the point I'm trying to get at is that the BTX guy fucked over some really big players by being kind of first to sell uh, there's no way that there's not going to be some retribution against him. There's just no way. Oh, no, not at all. But I think like the what kind of kicked this off, and the, I, had, I heard this from some people that are connected in the industry. Not that I have connections, but I know people now that have connections because I've been here for a while. But uh, apparently in the days leading up to all this Ooh, like, Twitter beat. They're on to all of us at this oh, point. Oh, can you, can you hear me? Ah, crap. Are you there? Can you hear me? All right, yeah, can you hear me? All right, hear yeah. All right, we seem to be have. All right, all right, we're good. So, uh, what was I saying? Yeah. So, in the days leading up to the whole FTX uh thing going public, I, I, I gotta grab my water. I'm losing my fucking mind here. You gotta give me like, just give me one minute to find this water bottle, because like I was nervous. All right, just give me a minute. Can I get one good. minute? Thank yeah. You. you know what? <laughs> While I go and do this, why don't you let uh the the fans know about any one of our lovely sponsors? 
because uh, they're a long-time listener. So I'm sure at this point you wear a sheath, if not just to say that you do, or maybe you've taken your Kratom, or maybe you smoked your Delta, or maybe you even tried Jake's Mint Chew. So I'll go get a water. All right, my internet connection crapped out for a second there, but I think it's back now. So I'm a big fan of uh, Yocratum and its healing properties. It, if you have an ailment such as terminal COVID AIDS, like Rob has, it will heal you. That's how he's still alive. That's how I'm still alive. Uh, definitely take Yocratum and he's back. I was telling the uh, oh that might viewers. be too that might be too bold of a claim. Hey, this is also yeah. the guy that lost me a lot of money in DeFi. So take the claim for the grain of salt. All right, back no. to you, Papa Pandy, Crypto yeah. Pavel. So you're, yeah, not... you're telling us about um, the the shadiness. Right, right. I can I sort of uh, lost my spot. Anyways, it, oh, I remember now. Yes. So in the days leading up to this whole thing going public with FTX, Sam was supposedly in Dubai trying to raise money from various crypto players that are based in that region. And it was kind of a similar story uh, where everybody else was kind of saying that's come out now is that you're supposedly have all this cash. Why are you trying to raise capital right now? We're not going to give you anything. Or if they give, gave them anything, it was very, very tiny amount of funds. And basically this whole thing, it just, it, it's, it's, it's come out like how insanely uh, like, I've, I've sort of lost my place because of everything that happened leading up to this, but really like what, what sort of has stuck out to me in this whole story that nobody's really covered is that FTX in the days leading up to this was talking about, you know, launching a stable coin. That's what SBF was talking about on another interview he was doing. And coincidentally at the same time was the, and his name escapes me at the moment, but he was one of the co-founders of Ethereum. He's the founder of MakerDAO, which is a DeFi based uh, firm. And they are, actually the creators of uh, DAI, DAI, which is one of the largest stable coins uh, behind USDT and USDC. And he was, you know, you mentioned this before, he was killed mysteriously uh, in Puerto Rico the day after oh, right. tweeting. This one's so interesting. Yeah. So he was caught, like he was like saying, like, hey, there's some child, uh, molesting ring going on in the bahamas the cia is going to kill me you know and then the next day he's dead on a beach in puerto rico and this was a, it literally days after sam was talking about ftx creating a stable coin and in that interview and i sent you this clip he mentioned oh you know we know how to create a stable coin and primarily we're going to do that through collaboration and what you know you've we've, we've been getting at here is that you know have deeply connected Sam is to these very, uh, you, you know, as Alex Jones would say, globalist <laughs> actors, but you know, these world economic forum types. And it would make sense that maybe FTX was one, a Epstein 2.0 type operation trying to not lure in necessarily like powerful, like traditional uh, people, but people in the crypto and blockchain is industry. Is Tom Brady a pedophile? Is this going to uh, be the end of Tom Brady? <laughs> yes or no? Is that why Giselle left him? Possibly. I mean, okay. we don't know. We don't know all the details that that could come out. I mean, you know, for all we know, uh, Tom was with Caroline and Sam uh, at the Harry Potter themed orgies that they were having. Um, but uh, no. So basically, like this could have been some like and this is all speculative. But just from what like that alone is very 
very much like sets off my you know my my I guess my my pedo senses or whatever like my like my pedo defect detector and uh the other most important takeaway from that is that Sam was basically at some point probably going to bring all these various people in the industry under his umbrella like under the stable coin if he was going to be able to you know keep the company alive because it seems that this whole thing like you know it was destined to crash at some point like this was designed to be destroyed and to bring down the industry with it um and ultimately i think sam's do mismanagement you think, yeah i think he basically built a financial bomb on purpose yeah, to yes. try and okay give us the proof of that yeah and so there there is no actual definitive proof other than the circumstantial evidence surrounding like the actions because you don't have and this is what everybody's been saying is you don't have access to the entire order book for most of the industry with the biggest players know where everybody's positions are like basically have all the inside data on the market and the ability to manipulate it and still lose there's no way that happens so and given given the conditions that yeah almeda shouldn't should not have been losing money no they should have been incredibly profitable right given but, that their access to the information but and with, yeah, the, with yeah. the access to the information and trading i understand that you're going to make profits but you're not going to make profits bigger than uh like the equity value of your company which in this case is kind of tied into a coin instead of a like a share price so if someone crashes that on you like in other words if let, let's just say you've got a hundred million dollars to play with and you, you've you, you've got the insider track on trades so i mean what are you what are you going to make on an annual basis trading that i don't know 200 million what are you going to double up 300 million inside trip 400 million but if someone crashes the value of like the company because of the like you know what i mean like it's still not going to matter right well it's it ultimately it wasn't it wasn't so much that ftt was what was holding up the company it was more so that the fraud and just criminal activity was so just rampant that it couldn't be ignored and it destroyed the token's value because before everything came out that yeah, but the token F never had yeah. any value like what, well, like it, 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 what was in, the value of it i mean it what was, did they what did they do that created a return that would give their coin value or was it just another self-referencing thing of well this is the coin of our platform and so you're going to be using this coin like was it like a forced like exchange where it's like you put in your dollars and now you have ftt and you use the ftt to buy the bitcoin so the ftt has value i'm asking i don't yeah. know it wasn't it wasn't forced but it was one of those like sort of yeah you get a discount on trading uh uh yeah, rates that, if, that fucking yeah. says Ponzi. exactly as Ponzi is, hey, listen, exactly. If you, if you use our currency instead, you're going to get a discount. All right, exactly. Sure, someone's going to get talked exactly. on that. Exactly. And the and the joke always was amongst crypto Twitter traders was that why is FTT? Why does, would anybody buy FTT? There's no value for token holders. There's no emissions. There's no you know distribute like the tokenomics do not favor you as a holder. And funny enough in the days leading up to this whole debacle or actually not even debacle because the debacle would imply that it was an accident this wasn't an accident this was pure fraud but in the days leading up to the uncovering of the fraud the actual token itself even though the macro chart didn't look great it looked like it was starting to maybe bottom the whole market structure itself was looking like it was starting to bottom in crypto and there was favorable cpi reports were coming out uh 
the larger market was moving relatively well, like tech stocks, I think like had a 17% rally, like right after the whole FTX news came out. But after all of this, like it, it just, it, that that's what destroyed the token. It wasn't so much necessarily that people, you know, were like, well, we realized that the token had no value. It was that basically that we, they realized that FTX itself had no value because it was just FTX propping up the token. That's all it was. It wasn't, and it really like it came back down to the fact that like they were like also taking know, customer something, funds. Something's like, yeah. something's lost on me in making the claim that FTT has value. I don't like it, 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 that's the thing. It never really did have value. It was all spec it was a speculative asset at best. That's all it was. And ultimately what destroyed that narrative was it coming out that they were mixing yeah, but that's that's they're stealing customer funds. They were mixing them between I know, but yeah. let's say let's say you just go with the FTT at whatever value it's at. That's a classic scam because it's essentially, hey, so we'll give you a discount on your trading fee if you convert to FTT. So, okay, I guess that's your built-in demand. And now there's also a lot of institutional players that are holding a substantial amount of it. So it's like, yeah, so if someone dumps, it's going to zero, which is what happened here. Someone dumped. Like, if, yeah. if, if you have, you know, more, if you have enough in private people's hands that they don't, like, that they can dump, like, why would somebody not dump? Well, because there's actual returns, and so it, there's going to be like, why would I give up my shares? The company's making money, and they're paying me a dividend each year. It would be stupid of me to dump this. I'm actually making money by holding it. But if you're just holding fucking bubkis that only has value because you're holding it, it's almost like prisoner's dilemma, where it's like, well, yeah, if I don't, if I don't fucking dump mine, then that guy might dump his, and then I'm fucked. Yeah, exactly. But th that just goes to show that the whole FTX thing, it was it was designed to eventually at some point break. And there was, as, a, as someone that was a market participant, I can say that there was enough confidence in SAM and in FTX that had this never come out, like had, had, the, like had the industry not found out what was going on, they probably would have been able to recover some of their funds. They probably wouldn't have been able to keep the organization going for longer. And getting back to what I was saying earlier about the stable coin, they probably would have been able to launch that stable coin, bring in all these various uh, people in the industry through blackmail of some kind, which is, again, more speculative. You know, that's pure speculation on my end. It just circumstantially seems like that's probably what was happening. But then once you have all those people tied in or you just have, you know, the stable coin on its own, like you don't even need the whole industry. You just need, you know, the media and like pumping you up like they already were. And then once that stablecoin is big enough and it's infected the market and it's being used on DeFi protocols, it's being used on centralized exchanges, people are using it as their store of value in, you know, a very volatile market that we're experiencing like right now instead of Bitcoin. And then you pull the rug on that. That sets the stage for a massive, massive intervention by right, you're not saying just, they, yeah. they were trying to actually build a larger contagion yes. so that they could crash the entire market. And as a result, set the stage up for government regulation and possibly a uh, digital currency. All right. I want to wait. If you had something else on that, go for it. And then I want to uh, do one last topic. No, I was just going to say that that's exactly that's exactly what you were saying. And that uh, to take it a step further, they probably were going to rope in equities, too, in some way to make it even worse of a crash, because there was a lot of talk of and I'm actually bringing the company at some point public too. If they, but you know, and granted this whole thing, it seemed like it was very unstable because SBF was 
mismanaging the situation the entire time. If they had uh, so gone public, they is far. there any possibility of like the fucking scam not being unearthed? Like, I would think if you're going public, people are uh, looking over your books a little bit more meticulously. I mean, Enron was wasn't Enron a publicly traded company technically? All right. Yeah. Um. So, last question for you. I'm a sucker. I had money uh, staked on Gemini, or stated differently, I looked at it and I pressed that little earn button. It seemed innocent. You know why it seemed innocent? I was like, all these platforms are probably uh, engaging in fractional reserve banking. If there's a liquidity problem, I'm losing my money by leaving it on the system anyways. So I might as well get some money for the risk of being on the platform. And I did not realize that that was Gemini. And I actually think this is disingenuous of them, that they were offering me somebody else's services, which I think is inherently more risky than like, like in other words, if something's on Coinbase, then I would think that that's Coinbase is going under if the product's going under, uh, which is not the way that the, I, I don't know about Coinbase, but at least on Gemini, that's not the way that the uh, earn was working. Basically, you were lending it to them and they were giving it over to, uh, I believe it's Genesis. Is that the name of it? Yes, it was Genesis, which is uh, the leading lender in the entire uh, crypto space. So what's the story? All right. So when we say they're the leading lender, so who are they lending to? How are they assessing the risk? And what kind of claims do they have on people? Like, is there collateral there for them to be like, explain to me the process a little bit. Cause I guess I thought I was lending my money to Gemini specifically as like a bank. Um, which is, I, I, I mean, maybe it's not that much different than them giving it off to a third party. And I guess there's no reason why I should have assumed uh, them. I mean, I honestly, I'm, I, it was just, I was lazy having it on the platform and just thought, fuck it. I might as well get some yield. And that was probably dumb. And as the market was coming down in value, I probably should have acted quicker to be like, yeah, there's clearly liquidity coming out of here. Uh, but I'll hand it back to you to explain how I guess how Genesis was working it, how they were offering the returns, what they were doing that was actually making money. And then lastly, how bad of a situation they're in right now. Right. And, you know, getting to what you're saying, just addressing the whole Gemini thing before we move on to the other stuff. It was in the actual like fine print of the contract. I'm sure it was, but what, yeah. who's reading that? Yeah, that's yeah, the salesy of them. Uh, yeah. I mean, I did whenever I went to go look yeah. at it. Yeah, but that's me that. Yeah, you know, it's because I'm into it. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it, it was, you're right. It, it, it totally is very like scummy of them to advertise it in a way that isn't explicitly saying like, this is a third party. It was advertised. It was implied seemingly from the advertising that it was their own in-house lender that was operating and holding the currency for you. But still, you know, it, like, it comes down to the whole, you know, buyer beware. You have to read the contract. But still, yeah, like you, like you were saying, uh, yeah, it's scummy. But uh, getting to what we were saying about the whole situation with Genesis. So Genesis, uh, it's, it's a part of a conglomerate of uh, institutional lenders and service providers called Digital, uh, see, it's, is it Digital Currency Global? I think it is. Yeah, it's DCG, yeah. Digital Currency Global. Uh, they're run by a guy named Barry Silbert. But basically since about 2013, They've been offering, you know, investment services to institutions and large single, you know, individual holders of capital, uh, you know, into crypto. And they've 
have been responsible for the seeds, uh, like funds to a lot of projects. Like they've lent money to hedge funds, like, you know, most notably last year. Also, they lent money to, hilariously, yeah. I mean, that's the circle of the fucking market. So you get you get people like me who have already bought the product. And so you take our money and so you lend it to new people so that they can buy more of the product, which is, of course, going to drive up the value. And then obviously at some point when new people aren't coming in and buying it or you can't continue to borrow essentially the money that's in there to purchase more of it, it's going to come down. We're all fucking idiots. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, and they were for many years doing it right. They weren't overextending themselves. They were being a responsible lender. They were. No, but of course that's overextending. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, exactly. I guess in the, yeah, in the traditional yeah. banking sector, I'm not saying that it's good. But in being backed by the Fed, when you end up with these giant house of cards liquidity problems, it's a hostage situation where the banks, they get to continue making their fees and the signals like they win by the signals getting restored that doesn't lead to collapses. But I'm saying structurally, if we're reengaging in fractional reserve banking without the backing of, a, of the Fed, then you can you can guarantee that as the cycles of the five, seven and 10 years come around. You're losing your fucking money. You can basically right. guarantee. And the process here is I, I, I because even for a, a, a Genesis, their pricing mechanisms, and I'll explain it, are going to be wrong. I mean, this is now coming to me. A, a wave that could have saved me 10 grand if I just thought this through six months ago. So Genesis takes my money and then they lend it to someone so that that person can go purchase a product, which further drives up prices. Right. But then the further driving of prices is also distorting their risk assessment because of how much things can come down and for them to still kind of collect their collateral. So it's like they're fueling their own bad risk assessments by lending people money to pump more into the system. You see what I'm saying? Right. And that's see, and that's what that's what happened to Genesis later on. That's what became of Genesis once they started getting into this whole like using stable coins and like stopped. Because for the longest time, and they still are, like they, they are a massive holder of Bitcoin, Ethereum, and a lot of other coins. And they have actual holdings. They don't, like, they, they have, like, a big thing that they always, one of their biggest, uh, just, like, selling points to, to the market was that, hey, we actually have assets that back us. Yes, we engage in lending, but we have reserves that, you know, are hypothetically, you know, like, on me. How, how much are they yeah. short? Are they 20% short? Are they 50% short? The, are they 110% short? What are we looking at here? I don't know what their total assets are, but I do know that their liabilities exceed their assets by, I want to say 2.7 or is it 2.9 billion? It's in that neighborhood between those Yeah, but how numbers. many, but do they have 10 billion in assets? So we're talking about yeah. 20% short. Are we talking about that they got billion in asset and so they're 2.7 times over leveraged you know and that's actually a really good question i do not know that exact answer unfortunately that's something yeah, i should know all right and I my don't money's know. gone hey people buy yeah. my comedy show so well hey so i will say though yeah. um some good news about the whole genesis thing is that even though the situation isn't really that great and yeah mentally i would write off things uh there are more, they are more likely to have, there's more likely capital to step in to save them, bail them out privately than there are uh, people like from FTX. Because what happened why with Genesis- would anyone, The only reason why someone would bail out Genesis would be the same reason that um, 
FTX tried to bail out FTT, which was, in other words, when when they were uh, when Binance was offloading it, they said, well, we're going to buy it at a cap 22. And I'm just repeating what I heard from uh, Safton was that if the coin actually had value, so then they would want it to go down because then they could buy it at a lesser value. But that's not what they wanted. Yeah. They wanted to keep it on their balance sheet as being priced at 22. The only reason that someone would step in to save the biggest player and $2 billion might be worthwhile is if they have a $4 billion exposure somewhere because they need things to be priced in a certain way. So I would recommend to anybody that if that bailout comes, uh, you, you will, you're not going to get a second warning sign from this industry. That's my takeaway. Right. Well, yeah. Binance did want to buy that. Like Binance did want to contribute funds to it. They just couldn't because as an exchange, there's too much of a conflict of interest with them being tied up with the largest lender. You know, because like I mean, why? The, Gemini, Gemini is an exchange and now they're tied up with the lender. They've been well, directing they, my funds there. Well, they've, they're I'm not, sure they're making some sort of a commission for that. Otherwise, there's no reason why they'd be doing it. I mean, they partner with them, but they're not under the same organizational like structure. They're not like owned by the same entity. By, by Binance coming in and buying Genesis, there could then be the legal case that Binance as the exchange as like one leading exchanges now owning not 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 partnering with but owning the largest lender basically gives them total control of the market because they can then just like not only like pump up the prices like you were mentioning from lending and from that whole cycle of you know moving capital through the market but then benefiting from those prices going up by pumping the market by flooding more volume into the market by bringing more people to their platform you would have had a great case that you know not that it's right, but you would have been able to make an antitrust case against them most likely. And there was too much conflict. Of, like, like it goes back to the whole. Conflict I don't, of interest. I actually don't really get it. I don't know. I don't actually understand why, uh, to me as a consumer, I would prefer that the exchanges are not engaging in lending. I mean, banks engage in lending. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it that's the thing. It, it, I mean, it don't, and back. also don't but, stock exchanges engage in lending and the fact that they will back derivative products and not like i mean that's kind of lending or like the fact right. that there's margin i mean if well, on, it, my, on my stock trading account they give me margin that's them lending me money right that but that's in-house money that was built like from within the company it wasn't this whole decade like basically a structure that is older than the exchange that has access to not only the deepest pockets in the industry that have been there the longest but also well, incredibly not powerful. That deep. it's going under yeah <laughs> yeah uh, certainly a little more shallow pockets than they were, but you know, for relatively still deep pockets. But they also have access to traditional finance. All that, right. So, how much of a mess yeah. is it going to be, other than the fact that I will have lost my money? How much of a mess is it going to be for the entire industry if Genesis goes under? Pretty big. Pretty big right, mess. So like I, I'm saying, like, who are your biggest players? You got Coinbase. Like, I, I mean, just I don't. Uh, firstly, is does the Genesis going under affect Bitcoin? I'm going to assume yes, because then just leveraged positions and everything are going to end up being wiped out. Yes, it does affect the price of Bitcoin. It doesn't affect the actual. Well, it actually does affect the network of Bitcoin because uh, as a result of Bitcoin now dropping down uh, in value below its production price, the hash rate Votes. on the network has dropped. So that means there's less mining activity going on, which means there's less security on the network, hypothetically. Although, you know, there still is the network is going to be just fine 
going forward, but it is actually having an impact on the way the network is operating right now because most miners have like about 25% of miners, I want to say, have turned off their machines right now. All right. We're all retarded. Forest Mommy coming through with the recommendation. Bulletin Pussy is the strongest currency in the end. There you go. Uh, Papa Panda Crypto Pavel, any uh, any closing remarks before we call it an episode? Um, yeah, just going forward, everybody is self-custody your own coins if you get into crypto. Uh, use that with like a treasure. Buy directly from the website. Don't ever buy from a third party such as Amazon because it can be uh, tampered with in the supply chain. And just if it seems too good to be true with lending, uh, you know, it's it 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 is. And the interest rates weren't yeah. that good, though. I mean, we're talking about yeah. interest rates of like three and four percent, even in, right. a, in a market where what a, a money market would would have been giving me two percent. We're talking about an extra point. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, we're not we're not talking about like rates that were like twenty percent would have been like, what the fuck is going on here? Me buying the like the the stable coin of Gemini for a grand and then paying them three hundred dollars to not even see a return for a year and then earning five percent, seemingly lending your money to the exchange, did not seem too good to be true. Right. Well, if on various decentralized lenders, and they're still solvent, but like there were some that did have exposure to FTX, some protocols that you know obviously now like because you signed that contract, now your tokens are gone. Uh, there were some that were offering up to 20% APY on stablecoins, on USDT, on USDC, on DAI. Yeah, which you, by, if you're doing yeah. that, I mean, yeah. I, then you know that you're like, yeah, I might make 20%, but that's because I'm backing something that's incredibly risky and I might lose it all. Like Exactly. And if you start, then you want to do your homework on whether or not you even like the risky item. And if you prefer to be a lender to the risky item, then just owning the risky item. Like, in other words... If you tell me uh, that you're buying an oil field, or uh, let's just say, yeah, you're buying an oil field in Iran, and you're betting that the U.S. government, once they see how much oil is in this oil field, they're actually going to let you sell it. And traditionally, it's never been able to be sold. And they say, you can't get in on the investment, but if you lend us the money, we're going to be paying you out, like, let's say, 30%. You might go, wow, that's incredibly risky. What are the odds that this guy's uh, that this actually ends up working out? I would say 10% chance. Let's say you say you that that's the risk. So, well, at a 10% chance of me even being paid back, like how much do I want to put up on being able to, you know what I mean? Like that's the fucking math that you would start doing. I don't know. All right, whatever. We're fucking idiots. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Winklevoss twins. They butt fuck each other. They get in their boats and they're pedaling away with our money. That's the end of the story here. (laughs) And don't trust Jews. That's the other moral of the story. You know, I don't think the Winklevoss twins are Jewish because they don't look Jewish. They look uh, like handsome fucking douchebag athletes. That's what they look like. They look like the villains that would be in any you just showed up to college movie. And then those like the two jocks that are picking on you in any 90s movie that ever existed. Um, But, you know, the the Jewy FTX kid clearly looks Jewy. Right. And Caroline as well. Oh my God. So Jewy. All right. Anything else? <laughs> um yeah, I just more advice, I guess, back to the whole stablecoin thing. Just if if you don't know where the yield is coming from, you are the yield. There you go. So uh Papa Panda Crypto, you liquidating or what are you what are you still pumping? What are you still recommending to the good folks out there? AAV? Uh so like 
as far as tokens go in DeFi, uh, the whole market's kind of wrecked right now. Uh, but as far so as you're protocols, saying, like, now's the time to get in. That's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is in in all this, like I think DeFi is like the first sector in crypto to actually probably have bottomed, and now there's truly a narrative for it to kind of start pumping again because it's like, hey, yes, price wise we're wrecked right now, but functionally we're still solvent. We didn't go under. Like people, they were loaning to other parties and they didn't like lose their like they their loans are still healthy because you're saying. The, the strong yeah. that survive this round are the real keepers. That's it, Pavel. I'm Actually, going back in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep gambling, Rob. Keep gambling. <laughs> All right. We did yeah. it. Have a good one, everybody. Uh, hey, in just one hour, uh, come to uh, uh, Brian's come party from Lines of Liberty. I don't know where you find it, but we're having a come party. So uh, come hang out later. Hell yeah. Oh, wait. It's not an episode yet. I never plug live dates. RobbieTheFire.com. Got a bunch of shows coming up. Going to be putting together another end of year thing. Uh, so be on the lookout for dates. That's our episode. Thank you, Mr. Papa Panda. Yeah, thank you, Rob.